Thanks for checking out this weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one-hour service, in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans, or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit carrolltonumc.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6. It's verses 24 through 33. It's entitled, Serving Two Masters. This is Jesus speaking. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying at a single hour to your span of life, And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The word of God for us, the people of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for you are our rock and our ever-present Redeemer. Amen. You know, when I, slide. No. Do we have it? We have a title slide? Oh, yeah. That. So, I came up with that title, and I wrote it, and I'm sitting here walking in today thinking, Is that proper English? What is the contraction? What is got you? What does got, I don't know. But it's it's how we speak, right? What's got you? And, um, you know, when we have the, I I mentioned last week, and I appreciate the the folks who came this week, even though I said this week we're going to talk about our giving campaign. And um, the people who weren't here last week, well, that's what you get for not being here last week. (laughs) You showed up. Uh, I love talking about the, 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 the giving in the church. It's not inte- ever intended to be confrontational, but invitational. And I want to help everybody, including me, okay? I'm still developing here, to grow from wherever we are to the next step where God wants us to be, which has to do with what we just talked about in the prayers, listening to God. The aim of developing as a giver is not about financing the church's annual budget. And we'll talk a little bit about that at the end. It's not about that. It's instead to change your life because giving is part of your spiritual formation and it's a major part of it. 
God is all about you giving of your time and your talents and your treasure toward his works in the world for justice and for love and not holding on to those things or hoarding those things, but passing them on. I think there's a scripture that says like a river, it should flow through you and doing it with gratitude because you are never going to see the harvest if you don't sow the seeds. Now, I'm thinking of that scripture we just read. Uh, there's very few other scriptures that could be that impactful when, than when Jesus says, but seek ye first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things that Jesus had just spoken about. Jesus point blank says, God knows what you need, and God is going to give it to you, but only if you seek him first. Now, most of today's scripture that we just read comes after the word therefore. And the therefore includes all the things that Jesus says. He says, don't worry about clothes, don't worry about food. He says, God's going to give you basic sustenance. And the therefore refers to the statement before, which was this short statement by Jesus. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. No one can serve God and money. Jesus said it. You can try, but you can't do it. So underlying the remainder of the scripture we just read is this excellent idea that if we seek God first in our lives, he's going to provide everything we need, and we should quit worrying about it. Now, that statement can be turned into a question. It's this. Are we, in fact, serving money instead of serving God? Does money have a shackle to it such that we serve it? And that's an interesting question because it has a flip side to it because the answer to the question of whether we serve money is not just yes or no. Here's the flip side question. Is money serving you? Because that's what it's supposed to do. It's just a tool. There's no scripture that I'm aware of that says don't have money. There's plenty of scriptures that talk about the potential evils surrounding money, but none of those declare money to be off limits. I mean, if we didn't have to money as a means of exchange, it'd be like back in the old days when Don and I were hanging out and exchanging Nutria skins for jambalaya or something like that. It's just a tool to help barter, to buy things. It can be a wonderful tool if we use it correctly. We can do wonderful things for God and for God's people, but only if money serves us. We do not serve money. So do you have money? Or does money have you? You may remember that early on in my time here at Carrollton, which has been like nine years now, I, one of the sermons I preached had to do with my decision to go to seminary at age 41, which now seems like an eternity ago, but it was just yesterday. And I was, you know, well along in my law career. And I, it was based on a handful of things that were occurring in my life, all church-related. One of them was that I was teaching Sunday school for like 10 years to adults at, the, at St. Luke's in Lakeview. And I realized that the more I learned about God and teaching that class, you know, you'd read it to prepare and then you'd, you'd, you'd give the lesson. You'd go, the more I learned, the more I knew I wanted to know. But also equally influential in the decision to pick up and move to North Carolina to go to seminary was being in charge. I was the, the committee person in charge of the stewardship campaign at the church. Now, one of the things about the stewardship campaign that had bugged me all, all of my years was that until I was like middle-aged, you know, like 24, um, 
I didn't really understand what stewardship meant. Someone would get up here and say, well, it's the stewardship campaign. And I'm like, what are we talking about? So I unraveled that mystery and found out what it was. And I put alienating terms like stewardship aside. And I called it the annual giving campaign for the church. And I learned, though, that the giving had less to do with the church. It was more about the people in the church could, so that they could focus on a true ministry of their own by giving. And the question we posed to the church was this. What was God calling them to give to the church? The ask wasn't just for money, but for, for gifts and time and talents. But the elephant in the room was always the money, which is fascinating to me because you can always get more money, but you can't get more time, but people would be willing to give time, but money was always the hardest thing for them to part with. And it dawned on me at the time, I thought, you know, I'm giving, I was practicing law at the time, I'm giving a few thousand dollars a year to the church, and I thought to myself, that's a good chunk of change. I mean, it was painful to pay it every month, but it was a few thousand dollars a year, but I wasn't tithe or anything remotely close to that, and I was soon of the understanding that that wasn't enough because I wasn't trusting God. I was more intent on holding on to all of my money. Giving to the church was not my first priority. See the scripture we just read about that. And when giving to the church, whatever it is, time, talent, resources, is not your first priority, it's probably not your second priority or your third priority or your fourth priority. It's usually gee, aren't I fortunate at the end of the month or the end of the year to have some leftovers to give to God? And that was an embarrassment to me. Now, not between me and the congregation, because I knew there were a bunch of people in the congregation who were just like me doing the same thing, and I was pretty certain that the people in the congregation who were being very generous to the church and who were flourishing as Christians would never try to embarrass me. The embarrassment was between God and me, and that struck me pretty hard. And so I changed. And I remember, and I talked to this individual this week, Jim Forsyth from the church in Lakeview. We mentioned not so long ago his wife, Susie, just passed away. He got up one day in one of these uh, talks about giving to the church. He said, Susie and I have been tithing for quite some time, and we've never looked back. We've never suffered. God continues to provide. It's been the most amazing road, and I can tell you, since I changed, it's been the same thing for me. Even today, though, not a day goes by and not a day like today where we're talking about finances where I don't question whether what I'm giving, no matter what the amount is, is sufficient under the circumstances while God continues to give and to give and to give to me, just like the Scripture said he would. Am I truly being faithful in response? So there's a, another scripture, it's a short one, that I think is apropos to whether we are being faithful in response to what God continually gives to us. This is from Mark 10, verses 17 through 22. You may know this one. And it says this, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus says, only God is good. But to answer your question, you must know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. And the man says, teacher, 
I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. He said, there's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. One of the things that strikes me about that passage is the line where it says that Jesus felt genuine love for the man. I think this is the gospel writer Mark pretty overtly stating that the rich man was really a good guy. And Jesus knew that he was telling the truth about keeping the commandments. So we're dealing with a commodity here of a person that some of us might call a good person. But here was the issue. It says he went away sad for he had many possessions. The problem was not that he had the possessions, but that the possessions and the money had him. So what is God calling you to give to support this church, to help it grow along with you? As we commit today, and you've got all those cards out there, or it doesn't have to be today. I don't want to rush this. I think this is something that's, that's worth thinking about, discussing. If you want to discuss with me how I give, I can tell you. I've got some information here. I can tell you what the church spends. I can give you all that, but you need to think about this. What is God calling you to give to his church? And consider that you ought to be giving God not only your best, but also your first. Are you seeking God first? Making sure that the first thing you consider when you contemplate your resources and your finances is the first thing you're considering God and his church? Or is that consideration way down the line, like number five or 10 or 20 or 50? It's apropos that we're having this discussion right before Thanksgiving as we approach a holiday where we're supposed to be given thanks. But most of us, when we think about the holiday, it's usually about in terms of receiving and consuming family get together, big feast. And maybe we have that little prayer right before the meal where we thank, we're thankful that our country was founded and persists today and also that it was founded on godly principles. You know that slogan that's still the official slogan of the United States, in God we trust. And we can see what happens to this country when the trust is God is not where we're placing our focus. The United States changed the world based upon trust in God. Each of us can do the same thing, change the world if we put God number one. Let us pray. God, today's the day where we clear the path and put you number one in our lives. Our focus for every day, our focus for every thought, our focus for every moment and emotion, Lord, has to include you and not third, not as an afterthought, but first, Lord. Help us to be there, to grow into that, to live into that, by becoming whatever it is you tell us, Lord, we need to be in terms of being a Christian, being a giver, being a parent, being a child, being an employee, whatever it is, Lord, we're to listen to you for your word on that. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.